Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. My name is Matt Phelan, and I am here with the amazing Karen Robinson. How are you, Karen? I'm doing good, Matt. Great to be here. How are you? I'm good. I've had a good 20 minutes. Uh, wh what was the phrase we used? We've been talking. What was it we said we yeah, were doing? Been talking shit. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking shit. We had a, a good conversation about whether we were going to swear, and we've agreed that swearing is okay as long as we're not swearing at each other. <laughs> They're the rules, Karen? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree to that. Cool. Okay. So, Karen, um, who are you? Tell us Tell us about yourself. Oh, the big scary question. So, um, I'm the founder of The Flockist. Um, I will tell you a bit more about that later. We'll get into that later. Um, I am a basketball player. Um, I'm Ooh. someone who's spent a long time working in charity, working with government, policing in roles where I'm responsible for influencing something to change basically or setting up new services or new ways of working um and I'm a really bloody good cook oh good I mean that is a big claim that have you been on um are you going to go on that program where people cook for like four other people what's it called <laughs> come down with me yeah would you go on that no because it's fixed that program because people just that's, give what, that's what the people who lose it say karen <laughs> no i i wouldn't be happy with someone who might win a hundred pounds rating my food on the, so that they win the hundred pounds <laughs> i tell you what it would be amazing to do a happiness and humans come dine with me and we could get all the guests all the guests on and then we could have it we could actually oh, yeah that would be fun if but you could wouldn't... sort out a fair rating system I yeah would... It's called the happiness index. We could measure the happiness of your food. <laughs> <laughs> How happy does this food make you? Yeah. Um, we're sidetracked here, Karen. Um, was there any? Um, sorry, I've just totally interrupted your introduction. Carry on. No, not at all. I, I mean, I could carry on listing things about myself, but I, I guess the most important thing I want anyone listening to this to hear is that I founded the Flockist because I am on this mission to rebrand leadership. Um, this business for me is all about taking what I've learned in my sort of, I would say, 10 years in leadership roles, 20 years, 25 years in the workplace, and sort of turning on its head this idea that we have to just keep repeating what we were taught by people who were taught by their boss, who were taught by their boss. And when you eventually track it back, you know, we're stuck, we're passing on really out of date learning so to true. the people who are coming up through businesses, charities, organizations of any kind. That's such a good point. And Karen, I'm always interested in the order which people introduce themselves and their and what they do. It, how, it, I didn't know the basketball thing. That was the first thing you said like so do you i strong i identify you identify strongly as a basketballer what 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 is it about basketball that that you needed to tell us about like is it your total passion or is it oh that's such a great question thank you for asking basketball means a lot to me because i'm really tall so i'm six foot tall and that is and my relationship to my height and my body has been really pivotal throughout my whole life. As a child, I've been this height and build since I was 10 years old. Yeah. So when I was at primary school, a lot of my friends' parents thought I was a teacher when mm. they came into the school. So my relationship to my height 
and and how strong physically kind of strong and tall I am is something that was really fragile for a long time and when I found basketball which I found purely because I was googling women's team sports I've always been sporty um and I I, I was playing a, a mixed sport at the time I was playing touch rugby and I just felt like I really wanted to be in a in a women's team because mixed sport was getting a bit frustrating with stuff like I played for this touch rugby team where women scored double the points if they scored a try like things like that was pissing me off and I was thinking I don't really want to deal with this I want to be in a women's team yeah and I was looking around for a sport and I saw an advert for this basketball team in London and I thought yeah I'll try that I'd I'd always you know people have always joked with me do you play basketball when they see how tall I am and so I turned up and I just loved it. I loved the fact that I was I was in an environment where everything about me that in some parts of my life have been sort of like rejected or difficult or un- uncomfortable mm-hmm. was really welcome. Like yeah. my height, my strength. Um, it was a place where, and maybe we'll get into this a bit more later, but, you know, basketball is a really it's a really aggressive sport. It's really driving, powerful. There's a lot of contact, even yeah. though it's a non-contact sport, there's a lot of contact. That's, I, that's the thing I've never understood about basketball. I can't <laughs> work out. I just can't work out what it is. But that's, well, let's, well, let's get that. That's another, I want to keep getting into this. This is important stuff. Yeah, it just, well, I couldn't work it out either. Like I li- I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean it's non-contact? I've never been like so bashed about in my life, but I loved the fact that it was a place where I could really nurture those parts of my character without any fear of being judged. You know, like I've as a woman work as a woman, but as a woman who's worked in quite a lot of male dominated environments, um, I've I've sometimes been someone who I've received a lot of pushback for the way that I'm quite confident and I'm quite forthright and I'm not scared to take something or someone on. On the basketball court, me wanting to plough through whoever's in my way or get in the way of the person that's trying to to score is celebrated, is welcomed. And so it just became this this place where I was mm-hmm. I felt completely free completely without judgment I'm saying it retrospectively because I haven't been able to play for for a long time due to injury and I hope that I can get back into it soon but I will to answer your question I think I will always identify very strongly with basketball for that reason because for so many years wow. it just gave me this oh, this joyful experience of being completely free to play with a part of my personality and myself that sometimes I have struggled to, wow. to, to have received well wow I didn't I, that, I mean that's that's really deep isn't it I was just mm. I was really intrigued and wow the the thing that I want to ask you then because we have this vision at the Happiness Index called freedom to be human mm. and what that means is it means that it's it's it sounds like a marketing statement, but it's based on data that if people can be themselves, they perform better and they can reach what we call thrive. Everything you described there to me is that you it's the first one of the first places that you found where you could be yourself. Is that is am I putting words in your mouth or does that how is that how you feel? 
play basketball. Yeah, I felt that from the first moment I walked into that basketball court. Wow. And I and and I'll tell you why, because you know, when you enter a space, a new space, regardless yeah. of where it is, you you you're the new person in in a space. And I'm talking yeah. a physical space now. And people see you arrive and they, you know, you start conversations with people and you start to form a relationship with that space and the people that are in it. The energy that I got in that basketball court with, with you know, probably about 40 other women and coaches was unlike the response I've had entering any other space in that there was nothing remarkable about me. Yeah. There was nothing... There, I, I, I didn't feel observed. I didn't feel like a spectacle. I didn't feel, I felt like I could see around me other people that looked like me and seemed like they held themselves like me. Um, sometimes when I enter a space, um, I can sense or I can feel or I experience a kind of reaction from people that, um makes me feel either observed or like I'm I'm kind of somehow I don't know disruptive to that space at times because yeah. I'm because I'm confident and because and because I physically take up space yeah and I'm quite often taller than the people that I meet that can sometimes cause a, a reaction of almost instant intimidation before yeah. I've even opened my mouth yeah that, and it was I mean, just so noticeable not to have that reaction in that space yeah, it, it sounds like you're describing it a home. That's how a home, a home should be. Because we mm. often say, forget the, there's a whole conversation, isn't there? It's, where, it's just everything's polarised at the moment, isn't it? Is, it? is it work from home or is it the office? Whereas, uh, and is it home or is it work? Whereas I think for me, what you're describing is what work and an office should be. It should be a home. And I don't mean it should. that's the place that you have your bath or where your siblings live. It's the a feeling of home, whether that is the office that you go to, or whether that's um, you're using like a work life subscription or whatever, you should feel at home and at ease, whether that's the, you're doing your work hours or whether that's you're with your friends or whatever. Yeah, and I would agree with you. And I would add to that that what comes with being at home is the choice around how you, sh how you want or the what comes with the feeling of being at home is the choice about how much you share and how you are in that space so you know like when we hear like bring your whole self to work yeah you don't actually need to bring your whole self to work like you can choose how much of yourself you bring right you can choose yeah. how much of of your identity or your experiences or your knowledge or you know you don't necessarily you you can keep things private right but yeah. if you're in an environment where it is safe to share any and all of those things that's the dream isn't it like yeah. that's yeah it's about the safety too rather than necessarily that you then have to respond by by sharing absolutely everything yeah and that's psychological safety isn't it and there's a lot of people who don't like the term where you call employees a family and some people love mm. it some people don't but what I think, if you take the modern version of family, because you don't have to be genetically related to be family, um, is for me, the, what that is, is what you're describing there is psychological safety. Because 
even if you hate all of your siblings they can't fire you can they you can't be fired as a brother or sister even if they hate you still, <laughs> even if you never see them again they're still your brother and sister aren't you and that's like yeah i think that there's a whole home family element that we could get into but there's some so, so many more questions to ask you but mm -hmm. i have to ask you a question i think you might have touched on some of all of the, this but what what makes you happy karen um when I saw that you were going to ask me this, the first thing I thought of, and I have touched on it already, is cooking food. Yeah. Or even like, even to the, I, I love cooking so much that I can just watch a program about other people cooking, or I can just pick up a, a recipe book and instantly feel happy and calm and at ease. Um, yeah, it's lovely. It's a really nice feeling. I am um, until a few years ago, I thought I hated cooking. Um, mm. I only like cooking if I'm cooking with my daughter. And uh, I, I just find that fascinating. I just I literally resent cooking. I hate it. I love I love eating food. It's my favorite thing. But cooking it. But if I'm doing it with my daughter, because I just everything for me is a team sport, whether it's work or whatever. So cooking yeah. on my own. I don't actually like but when it's with my daughter for some reason i like it so that's when i meet beautiful. people sorry that's beautiful but when i hear people like cooking i'm like wow it's just fascinating but that's the whole point of life isn't it every everyone is totally different but it's uh, okay that's amazing so uh, we're getting really deep here um oh by the way why what's you uh, before we get to the next question why is what's your brand why is your brand called that like what does it actually mean like it's like the flockest yeah yeah like what what is that Okay, so do you know it took me forever? Like, to, I lost sleep over what to call. I'm sure. I'm sure I'm not the only everyone does to go through this, and I and I'm envious of people that just have like just have this ama amazing name that they come up with. But for me, it was like I went through so many iterations. But what it means, the flockist is about ultimately about playing for the global team, right? So think of a flock of birds, like mm -hmm. about. I believe that if we really want to have a survivable future for humanity where, you know, genuinely we have a planet to live on, we have a society that all people can thrive and be happy within, then we need to think more like birds. We need to, we need to be, we need to be more in touch with one another in that global sense. And I mean global in it at every scale, like literally global, but also yeah. global as in, you know, you run a, a big company, you make decisions and do things that affect your company, but you also make decisions and do things that affect your sector, that affect yeah. entire communities and populations of people that, that work within certain industries. And the flock, I arrived at the flockist because I thought if like, what's the kind of ultimate North star here? And for me, it's that, that when we operate in this highly individualistic way, either just about ourselves or just about the very small worldview that we can have at any given time. Yeah. And we don't think beyond that. We don't operate beyond that or, or consider the, how we are connected with, other humans and the planet and the world beyond that we make we operate in a way that's actually harmful to everyone yeah no i think it's a brilliant name 
And now I, know the, now I know the context behind it. So, yeah, it makes complete sense to me, Karen. Um, it leads me on to the second question related to that and, and your work. If, if, if you go and check Karen out on LinkedIn, um, that's how we were introduced. You talk about um, rebranding leadership. But, but my question for you is, is uh, I don't want to sound like Simon Sinek here, but why does leadership need a rebrand? Question mark. My short answer to that is because what, what got us here has got us into a mess. Yeah. Clearly. I, I, I can't I can't think of anything that we could like. There's so many things we could point to right now that are a let's mess. Point to, let's point to three, please, Karen. Okay. Three? Let's point to um racism. Yeah. Let's point to um the levels of poverty. If if we look in the UK, the numbers number of people living in poverty right now, yeah. um, and the climate. There's, yeah. there's three things that poor leadership has allowed. Not in fact, not even just allowed. Poor leadership has actually created and and allowed the cr created a situation where those things have the condition to thrive rather than yeah. to go away or get better. Yeah. And so, and so that, so I want to rebrand leadership because I know, and, and I've, and I've been a, a student of the university of poor leadership, right? That a lot of us, when we are growing in our careers and we're starting to like take promotions and we take on more responsibility, we're learning from people. We're kind of learning these passed down methodologies. Yeah. If we if we go back to cooking, like a lot of us yeah. know how to cook food because somebody like you're teaching your daughter to, to cook food. Well, it's flipped. it's flipped now, Karen. She's teaching me. <laughs> While I get that on record in case she listens right. to this. I made an assumption there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you'll yeah. be doing things with her that you've seen that pe people have passed things on to you and you're passing things on to her. And, you know, when that's food, that's totally different than when that's like, how do you hold a difficult conversation? Yeah, how yeah. do you take responsibility for your own behavior? How do you make decisions and understand what the con the true consequences for yourself and other people are in that decision making? When it comes to those things, um, if we're passing on lessons that have been passed on and passed on and passed on, what we're doing is we're not interrupting these harmful ways that mm. that have really not served as well like the three examples we just talked about yeah and the thousands of others that we could spend hours talking about now yeah and i want to interrupt that i want to i want to empower people in the middle of organizations to say it's okay to it's okay to like tap out step back and go i don't really want to inherit something that doesn't make sense isn't serving me or other humans or the planet um and i want to empower those leaders and those people to operate from their own values to trust that it is okay to disrupt and interrupt what's been passed on to them yeah and the way i want to do that is to very much be the antidote to what we see a lot of so i've got this like proper bugbear about leadership quotes on clouds yeah yeah <laughs> um, because 
And you talked about one of your values and one of mine is like, I haven't got this in a nice succinct line like you have yet, but one of the ways I work is if it's not useful to someone on a Tuesday afternoon in June, yeah. it doesn't go on my website or it doesn't come out of my mouth. Yeah. Which is like, to me, the antidote to these leadership quotes on clouds where yeah. people say things like, you know, um, well, what's one that comes to mind for you? Um, oh, it's the one that I hate the most, which is if you can measure it, you can manage it. Right. So it's so outdated. It's unbelievable because if you take emotions, which is what we measure, you can't manage an emotion. Mm. You can mm. ignore it. You can block it out. You can pretend it's there, but you can't manage it. So it's just, yeah. And it's, it's said, and I'm a data guy, it's said everywhere. If you can measure it, you can manage it. So everyone's getting metrics on everything sport basketball is a perfect example of that um i think all the if you take football as an example from soconomics all the stats that you read are from the one percent of the football match aka when a player touches a ball mm -hmm. but what about the stuff that you can't that you're not seeing in the stats like positional sense of someone in a basketball match there is no yeah. stat for that so if you're only measuring passes and pass completion you're missing out on yeah you're missing out on the magic that's going on that you can't see so that's my one karen <laughs> that is that uh, that's a that's a brilliant example and when you like if we draw that out into what that what that creates in reality all these people that are passing on this mantra of like if you can't measure it you can't manage it if i'm coming up through my career and i've inherited that belief and then i go and i'm and i measure the one percent and not the 99 that you're talking about in yeah. football or basketball or something with the best of intentions and i do that with all all the energy i've got and i think that that gives me enough to work out how to lead this team or to improve performance or do something then i'm completely missing the point and so i want to try and be the antidote to that and the sort of we've inherited these sound bites we've inherited these cliches we've inherited a lot of really problematic behaviors and ways of working and I'm kind of the one going, hey, it's okay. There's a, there's another way, and I don't entirely have the way. I have some ways of my own that I'm sharing with people. But more than anything, what I want to do is encourage people to work out how they marry up and exist in relationship with that old way while forming their own new way in line with their their own values no that's so that is so so useful karen and one of the reasons that that we were introduced is we take the happiness index is it's over 10 million bits of feedback that employees mm -hmm. have given companies so it's just if you imagine uh, the history of feedback is all sitting in there and um, some people are really good at feedback some people are really bad at feedback can we just start with some some get into some real tips really on how I suppose how to give feedback and how to receive feedback and maybe if we start with how to give feedback have you got any advice on that Karen yeah um my number one thing on giving feedback is you got to speak from a place of I you you need to own you need to really own what what it is that you're experiencing or feeling as a result of someone else yeah. So uh, let me put that into a reality, right? If I said to you, <clears throat> so this is not true, right? But if yeah. I said to you, Matt, you're not a very good 
podcast host. I'd say I agree with you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've got no, well, yeah, that's, it's not true. It's not true. Right. We're both, I hope we're both in agreement that that's not true. So I'm just I'm being playful here, but that's like, that, that's not, that's not fair. Whereas if I say I felt when I was being interviewed or I, I feel when I'm listening to your podcast, this, this, and this, yeah. then I'm owning my own experience and you've got yeah. the opportunity to um, filter it through all sorts of things. Who am I? What do I, do you trust my opinion? Do I have the experience or competence to, to, that, that that should matter to you in in terms of like your performance as a podcast host right yeah um and like I, I'm sure we've all got examples of times when someone has like slapped a label on us they've give us given us some feedback or you're really good at this or you're not very good at that or that could be better and like there's research into this um I don't know if you've heard the phrase idiosyncratic rater effect I, I have not, and I'm trying to work out all the different bits in my head and work out what the hell that means. I know, what, I know. When I looked it up, I thought the same thing, but it's like the fancy way of saying it's it's not you, it's me. So in idiosyncratic rater effect is that mm -hmm. when we are trying to rate someone else's performance, we're full of our own biases, basically. Totally. Yeah. And, and our own idiosyncrasies, our own yeah. stuff. So if I say, I don't think you're very good at this, m the majority of that statement says more about what I know about that particular thing or what I think about it or my experience of it than it does yours. Got you. Um, and so in terms of how we give feedback, we need to be really careful that if we're, if we're like labeling or rating someone's performance against something that we bear that we rather than give them a label if we give them our own experience of them or of the impact that they have on on us we are much more likely to speak from an honest place that is truthfully about our experience and that allows the person listening to it to to make meaning of it in a way that's helpful rather than in a way that feels really labeling. So what's really fascinating, Karen, you're the first person, because the first person to explain it to me that way before, because one of the things that is taught in the traditional way of giving feedback is not to make it emotional and to make it evidence-based. Now, the problem with that is somewhat let's take intimidation as an example someone may consciously or not consciously make you feel intimidated every day at work for some for some reason now if you read some of the guides on feedback it would say you need to give a real specific example of of why that person intimidates you like maybe they they stand too close to you or they keep um like pushing your cup out of the way every time you get to the kitchen and um, whereas what you're saying here is that it's okay to share how someone makes you feel and mm -hmm. um, how do we because because that's the same about the happiness index we've got we've got data on how on feelings and we say that's a really important so how do you coach people to understand that because there's a lot of people out there that would say you shouldn't be bringing emotions 
into feedback and it should just be evidence-based and, and and very rational well i th i think it it's it's both and because because in order for me to situate my feel I, I need to situate my feelings or my experience within a context right so when you when you push my cup off the table i feel intimidated yeah is both fact and feeling yeah but if i if i say you're intimidating i find you intimidating yeah um on its own that doesn't really give you very much to work with so that's not really yeah. helpful i think we have to bear in mind particularly on a topic like intimidation yeah i think we have to bear in mind that there are times when people don't feel safe to share with someone like if there's bullying behavior going on or there's yeah. microaggressions or there's you know yeah exactly so so like i think intimidation is a really interesting one because there are times intimidation is not necessarily such a terrible thing in some settings like if you're in a situation where you're trying to hold to account let's say a a, a I've worked quite a lot in like commission services, for example, where a what, what, what are commission services, Karen? When a charity is commissioned to um, deliver something on behalf of a statutory body, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so you know, some it's gone out for tender, so, and, yeah. and it's been bidded for, and and the charity is delivering the commissioned, whatever it is, service, project, product. Um, those arrangements can be really tough right and I, I can think of a time when I was leading a commission service and um the power all sits with the commissioner right. so you're in a really tough spot if anything's going wrong if anything's not right like if it's a bit challenging the power all sits with the commissioner um and I can remember in that in in one of those scenarios finding out that one of the people from the commissioning agency had said to someone that they thought I was formidable and that they found me a little a little bit intimidating and I remember thinking good that's a good thing in this context yeah me being perceived as formidable and experienced as formidable is a good thing because um we're less likely to be taken advantage of in this situation where we already have far less power. Yeah. So whereas there are lots of situations where me being, me behaving in a way where where another person experiences me as formidable or, or intimidating would be me taking up too much space in, a, in a, an interaction or crowding someone out or perhaps contributing to the way that they're already marginalized within society or within a team. Mm. And it's on me then to modify myself and understand how I'm behaving in order to change that. Yep. So I think in, in either scenario, me understanding the other person, that person coming from their own experience is really helpful to me. Yep. The commissioner saying that i'm formidable speaking from their own experience yeah. helps me identify whether i'm getting it right in that situation yeah just as much as if somebody is intimidated by me and that's because i've i've actually 
I've actually behaved in an inappropriate way. Yeah. Either way, I'm much more able to respond to that than if I'm just labelled as intimidating. Got you. And Karen, let's flip it around. We've only got a couple of minutes. Um, so we've talked about so much stuff here. What? Some people are great at giving feedback. Um, what's your advice on on receiving feedback? If if someone says, "Look, Karen, I want to um, give you give give you some feedback." Um, what 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 sort of advice have you got? Um, get specifics. Because I I say this to my clients a lot. It don't never just accept well done. Never just accept that's great or you did a pr brilliant presentation. Always dig for for specifics. Yeah. Because a lot because like. I think you said to me earlier, like assume best intentions is one yeah. of the ways that that you operate. People, most people are lovely and they say, well done, if you do a presentation or something like that. Whenever you get a well done, that's a great opportunity to find out specifically what you've done point. well. Yeah, I'd I say that's my number one. I need to refine my try. I did a uh, I did a 30 second training session with one of my team earlier because they're really bad at taking compliments. They almost turn it into like an insult. And I said, you can just say if some if you're uncomfortable, you can just say thank you because I used to be. Uh, <laughs> but actually, I actually gonna now take my advice would now because I hate compliments as well. My now advice would be to say thank you, acknowledge it. It's it's a nice thing that's happened, but also ask for some some context around that. So thank you. Yeah. Like what what give us some more detail because then you've got right. something that you can continue doing. I suppose is what you're saying, Karen. Is that right? Exactly. And especially if it's something that you are working on, like if you don't, if you're not working on it and you just want to take the praise, take the praise, you know, you know, yeah. dine out on the praise as much as you want. But if it's something that you're trying to develop, then getting specifics is brilliant. And the other thing I would say is we will shift cultures. This, this is probably one for people in positions of power, right? we will shift cultures and power dynamics much faster if we behave in a way where if we hold power or privilege we are proactively asking for feedback yeah because i don't know about your experience matt but i found that the more responsibility i took on the more senior my title was the less the less proactive feedback i got and therefore the harder i needed to work to make it to make it safe for people to give me feedback to basically like I would do a presentation at an all team meeting and then I'd say to a couple of people in my team did I get did I you know was that all right did I get that did I get the message about what we're doing across right in your opinion yeah. and I do that a lot as a way of kind of being like I'm a I'm, I'm, I actually want your opinion. I, it's safe yeah. for you to share what you think. I love that advice. I think, I think you're pointing out something universal there that as you go on and the seniority piece, I think it's even in the most open cultures, which I hope the happiness index is, we still have to seek it out. And even in a, in a place where there is a flat hierarchy that there is still, if you pay someone's wage, there is still a power dy dynamic, exactly. how ever open you think you are, you pay their wage, which does things like pay their rent. So yeah, even at a subconscious level, everyone, every single leader and manager that is responsible for an employee has to understand that that that, that, that exists. Um, Karen, we've only got 30 seconds left. And there's one really important question I wanna ask you, if you could do this in 30 seconds, which is those people in the middle of a business, right? They will know, we, we know from our neuroscience, they will know in their gut something's wrong about the advice they're getting or whatever before their brain does. It's just the way that the body works. 
if someone's got that gut feeling that something's wrong and they and, and it's an old style of leadership and as you say you want to move forward and change things if someone's knows in their gut something needs to change in their company what's the first thing that they should do is it write it down is it call someone is it what, what's your first bit of advice karen um stay curious in the moment in the in the precise moment stay curious ask questions don't just accept don't just be a recipient of what you're hearing ask questions to unpick and understand why why things are the way that they are and a bit later on not in the moment speak to people outside of the organization a lot of people in the middle or or working their way through their careers are really alone because they're only talking to the people around them and they've got no external experience i'm always shocked at how many people don't have a network like they don't yeah. have someone they can call or email or text in a similar profession but in a different organization yeah so get get networked up to the hill like get in the facebook groups and the linkedin groups and turn up at the events get get yourself to a position where you would where that gut feeling wouldn't feel like it was you wouldn't mm. feel like oh i'm probably the only person thinking this you would automatically know that if you were to ring those three or four people that you know they would verify and go yeah that's yeah. that's a nightmare for me as well yeah wow that that's would be my, my that, 30 second advice that, that takes us full back circle because when you were saying that all i could see is the is find your basketball team isn't it outside yeah so that's taken this nice full loop and all i have to do is say karen wow i've learned so much i hope our audience um have 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 learned as much as i have i'd recommend to follow karen on linkedin and and, and see the stuff she shares and good luck it's amazing what thank you're doing you. karen and thank you for coming on thank you i've loved this so much matt and really look forward to keeping in touch with you thanks karen